0: On the Arts support, we have the beautiful spontaneity of Voxy Improvised Choir. We'll find out what that is. We have artist Michael Turner, and he talks about the forward slash symbol as a gateway. And Theatre Conspiracy brings the English-language premiere of an adaptation of Macbeth to Vancouver. Plus, free tickets to The Great Divorce, and somebody's phone is ringing. So stay with us. Hello and welcome to the Arts Report for what is it today? May eighteenth, two thousand and eleven. We've got an awesome show for you today. We've got uh, a slew of, of people. Um, first of all, let me uh, let me say hi to Megan, uh, who will be with us later in the show. She's just closing the door. We're gonna let her uh, sit down, and she will be bringing us another installment of uh, of uh, our regular books. Uh, Books segment. Hello, Megan.
1: Hello. How are you doing? Pretty good. I had to run and get the book for the books. 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 Is
0: that what we heard your footsteps? It was like.
1: I like to make an entrance.
0: Whose phone was ringing, by the way?
1: Uh, I don't know. Was it yours again?
0: <laughs> no. How dare you say that on the air? I have headphones, Adam. No, no, it actually wasn't my phone this time. I think it was Frank's phone. Uh, yeah, B- Frank's a bad man. Blame the person who's not in the room. That's usually the rule of thumb.
1: I'm sorry if I sound bad. I don't have
0: headphone. That's okay, we'll get you some. Okay, yay. You had to get the book. You can had no I time. get the book. <laughs> you, can't, you can't run with headphones. That's dangerous. Anywho, uh, let me tell you about the lovely show we have for all of you today. Oh, and I should mention we are giving tickets away to The Great Divorce. That's uh, playing at Pacific Theater. It's uh, an adaptation of a C.S. Lewis book. So stay tuned because we're going to give that away right after the first uh, feature. And the first feature today will be on... Uh, Host, which is a dance piece that is coming to the Dance Center here in Vancouver, and it's going to be great. Uh, also, as I mentioned in the at the top, we will have, uh, or I guess Vancouver will have, the world premiere, world English language premiere of Macbeth nach Shakespeare, which is a, a German... Uh, reimagining, reinterpretation of uh, Shakespeare's original that has so far only been done in German and I think in French and this is the first time ever in the universe that it is going to be done in English and it's happening right here in our uh, hometown, so that's pretty pretty dang exciting also last week on the show we told you about 10 Seconds, which is uh, an art uh, exhibition of sorts. It's where, in Canada Line stations, the TV screens are taken over. And Megan, please, you're making a lot of noise. <laughs> Sorry, did put you on the spot. What do you have there, by the way? Some water. And and is it good?
1: It's pretty good.
0: You know, you you're actually not allowed um, spiked alcoholic beverages inside the studio.
1: Good thing it's not spiked. Oh. As far as you know.
0: Anyway, where was I? Uh, yeah, last week we told you about uh, 10 seconds, and that's, uh, that's where the TV screens at uh, Canada Line stations are sort of taken over for brief bursts of uh, video art. And uh, that was last week. And uh, this week we have the artist himself, Michael Turner, and uh, he will tell us himself uh, about his piece, which is being featured in Canada Line stations right now, today. And for, I think, the month, uh, all of the month of May and perhaps a little bit into June. So if you're in Cat uh, station any time next little while, look at those TVs because uh, art is happening there. Plus, we'll tell you about a play called Shades of Grey, which combines um, theater with an art exhibition as well. And it goes, uh, part proceeds go to charity. So that's pretty sweet. And uh, BC Buds Arts Fair is coming to the Fire Hall this uh, this weekend. We have a long weekend coming up, Megan. It's
1: pretty exciting. Yeah, do you have plans? Um, yes.
0: So anyway, let me just wrap this up, and then we'll t- I, I want to know. I want to know about your plans. But uh, so we've got a huge show, and uh, and we have tickets to give away, which is coming up in the next five ten minutes. So keep listening to uh, to win a free pair of tickets to a show this weekend. Now then, um. Speaking of seeing things, uh, did you see anything uh, exciting in the last little while?
1: Yeah, actually, last night I went to a, uh, a new event in Vancouver uh, put on by the Fictionals Comedy Co. Uh, we uh, know these guys through my friend uh, Daniel Chai, who's one of the Fictionals Comedy Improv Troop members. And they're putting on this great thing called Vancouver Improv Fight Club, and it was so funny. It was last night at the Café du Soleil, Basically, it's a head-to-head, long-form improv battle, like 25 minutes between two you know, local troops. So we had the Bobbers, mm-hmm. and we had Table 23. So Table 23, I think, is from Fight Club. Oh, uh, sorry. Is,
0: <laughs> they're from the movie? What, is
1: They're from the movie, Fight Club. <laughs> We're not allowed to talk about it. No, they're the Locos from Poco, and uh, the Bobbers are the Crazies from Davey.
0: Right on. According
1: to this Wikipedia post uh improv fight club uh Craigslist post actually anyway so that was a great event um it was really funny lots of uh lots of attendance and uh, their next uh event is going to be next month but before that they're going to have uh another uh event show us your wits and they do that regularly as well and then you got you got some burlesque in there you got some improv so the fictionals are great you should definitely check them out on facebook and uh, and go to one of their events i cool. know it was super funny right on Really good.
0: All right. Well, um, that's cool. Well, you're going to be with us for, for the next hour, which is exciting.
1: Sorry, everyone. Ah,
0: with your shuffling feet and your water drinking and your phone ringing.
1: Well, if I had had headphones, I would have known that was causing lots of noise.
0: Oh, snap. Well, our stupid producer should have given you some headphones. Oh, wait. She's not here today.
1: I'm just filling, I'm just filling in. Ugh. I'm not pressing any buttons, though, so that's all Adam. That anything goes awry. Blame it on me. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's get uh, get on with the show. A new dance piece called Post is coming to the Dance Center. Four dancers in formal ballet attire accompanied by a quote-unquote deconstructed piano score. Explore what it means to be an individual dancer in the context of North American spectacle ballet. James Ganam is the artistic director of the Plastic Orchid Factory, which is putting on post, and he explains how the piece seeks to break out of the mold of classic ballet, including using a 40-foot tutu. Hmm. But first, I had to admit that I don't know what spectacle ballet is. Could James help me out? Maybe. If the computer lets us.
1: Yeah, blame it on the computer. We already established this is button pushing. Isn't
2: uh, absolutely, it yeah. So spectacle ballet is um, is really what what North America's contemporary relationship to ballet is. So it's about um, ballet being performed in uh, large theaters um, with the proscenium, and it's uh, it's really it's really about a, a, an event. Often, often the uh, the material being covered or the or the themes being um, explored choreographically are you know narrative in nature. And, yeah, so really, it's just about it's about uh, looking at what what our contemporary relationship to to ballet is. So that that that's, that's what spectacle ballet is.
0: Now, what's what's the alternative to that, and and where is that? Because if you say spectacle ballet is in in well, North America, what's what's done yeah. o- uh, other well, places?
2: Uh, actually, what we're doing is we're using is we're using um, spectacle ballet as our as our point of reference, mm-hmm. and the, what we're what we're what we're interested in exploring with post is. Um, Trying to figure out how uh, the contemporary um, person or the contemporary ballet dancer um, and and their their relationship to classical ballet, mm-hmm. right? You know, and and for a lot of us, it's it really you know it centered around it centered around the spectacle. So what we're what we're what we're doing is um, we're sort of looking at and exploring the history and lineage of classical ballet and mm-hmm. how it relates to the contemporary individual and the contemporary ballet dancer.
0: So, in that respect, are you sort of making a new kind of ballet, or are you um, sort no, of?
2: No, I'm not sure. We we, <laughs> we might be making a new kind of ballet. Um, what, what what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find ways to um, to invite the individual into uh, into the performance. So, I'm I'm trying to find ways to. I mean, often like when we when we go to see the ballet. We're seeing um, highly trained bodies doing, you know, choreography on stage, but we often aren't really invited to um, to witness them as individuals, as mm-hmm. as contemporary people, you know. Um, and so, what what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find ways to invite these people's uh, histories and interests and and relationships to ballet actually into the work, and we're doing that uh a few a few ways we're doing that through the choreography itself and through the nature of the process Mm -hmm. but also um through the design how we're um using contemporary uh materials and and subject matter and and framing it in sort of a in in a very sort of classical way
0: Hmm. Um, now i understand there's a 40-foot tutu involved what is that about (laughs)
2: What is the 40-foot tutu about? (laughs) Well, um, (laughs) you know, it's kind of about, you know, in a lot of ways, it represents the contemporary ballet dancer's relationship to classicism. So there's this kind of beauty to it and an interest in working with it. But then once we're in it, there's this real sense of, like, it's cumbersome and Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a burden. So we really wanted to have that physically present in the design and not just necessarily in the choreography. So,
0: yeah. Hmm. So it's and, sort of and how about the musical component?
2: The musical component, it parallels the, the process that, um, that, we've, that we've gone through. Kenneth Kirchner is a classical pianist um, in, in uh, New York City and Taylor Dupree is um, an electroacoustic composer. And so the two of them collaborated together. Kenneth um, put together a series of short piano vignettes and he passed them off to Taylor, and then Taylor um, re-engineered and recomposed all of the material. And um, yeah, so it was a, so the the process was based in classicism, but completely contemporary.
0: Hmm. So it kind of mirrors yeah. what's going on uh, in in the dancing.
2: Absolutely, yeah. So like we're exploring we're exploring um, a lot of uh, people's relationships to classicism. You know, so it's like a lot of the images and the themes being explored. In, in, in classical ballet we're trying to find a contemporary approach to it you know for instance a lot of a lot of these spectacle ballets that we go and see uh, at the theater um, have a lot of uh, angry dead women you know like, <laughs> really yes absolutely yeah yeah so it's like you know there's usually like a prince and he screws out so there's like this prince who's usually kind of rich and dumb <laughs> and uh, and and he screws up, and and some peasant dies, and she comes back as this angry dead woman, right? And and, and it's like a reoccurring theme, right? Um, throughout a lot of uh, a lot of these uh, ballets that were created. Um, anyway, so we wanted to find a contemporary version of you know an angry dead woman, and so it took it took a while, but we we found like this um, this sort of geisha zombie wow. ballerina, yeah. So we're, we're we're really trying to integrate a lot of contemporary culture into what we're doing, and and have that resonate in the in in the piece. You know, like um, another aspect of this is how we've approached the costuming and the design. Like, um, you know, with uh, when we when we think of ballerinas, we think of those tutus that kind of like stick out. They're called classical tutus, and um, yep. and there's a real sort of like cookie cutter approach to uh, to how we see these ballet dancers on stage. So we see like you know. 15 ballerinas, and they're all wearing the same tutus, and they're all doing the same steps. And right. um, there's this sense of, like, mass production with it. And so what we've done mm-hmm. is we've, uh, we've created these classical tutus, but they're, they're actually made out of corrugated plastic. Oh. And we've actually, like, stamped them. So there's this, there's this <laughs> physical representation of mass production paralleling the, uh, you know, our, our idea or our uh, relationship to classical ballerinas.
0: And there you have it. That is James Gnam talking about um, "Post" by the Plastic Orchid Factory. And you can see the forty-foot tutu and uh, all the other um, other items uh, involved, <laughs> including the the music and the uh, the corrugated plastic. The at all? Sorry, what was that?
1: Most of the tutu,
0: though. It's all about the tutu. When I first heard that, I was picturing this giant, like, inflatable ballerina, <laughs> like. <laughs> You go to a lot of LA, don't you? I do, clearly. Anyway, so uh, Post is coming to the Dance uh, Center on May the 26th. Uh, it'll be running from May the 26th until the 28th at 8 p.m. There is a 2 p.m. matinee on the 28th. Tickets range from $15 to $23 and are available from Tickets Tonight. Um, And you can get more information by visiting um, websites such as PlasticOrchidFactory.com or TheDanceCenter.ca. Or you can go to our website, CITR.ca, and uh, buried there in the blog is uh, all uh, information from all the uh, features we're going to have on today's show. The reason I say it's buried down below because uh, a post has just gone up in the last little while that... um, ...that features none other than our very own Evan Gillespie. Evan Gillespie was the technical guru here at CITR and a few months ago he said uh, he said to me, "Hey, uh, I'm going away in a few months, and I said, Where are you going? Well, I'm going to Norway for an international mustache competition, oh, of course,
1: yeah I know.
0: right yeah of course. and I was like, obviously that's what you're doing. Um, I can't go this year, but whatever. Uh, no, I said, What the hell are you talking about? what is this and and so he explained to me that there's this big annual thing where people grow their mustaches and and you know uh, compete for various prizes. Well, word has just come in that uh, that he has won bronze." In the freestyle uh, category, and so we've put up a picture of Evan and his glorious bronze-winning mustache uh, on our blog at citr.ca. So, so have a look at that. Log on to citr.ca and check out this epic mustache. I mean, it was pretty epic back in September when he was first growing. I don't know if you saw it, Megan. No. It it is truly a, a sight to behold.
1: Well, I can see from where it is now.
0: It's right? amazing, isn't it?
1: It's really breathtaking
0: breathtaking is the word so check that out and uh, check out all the features we have on this week's show and all the links so if you um want to get ticket information or at least the dates uh if you missed uh for example what i just said about post and you missed the the dates uh 26th to 28th of may at the scotia bank dance center then just uh, go on the website and uh, and check out the details uh there all right. Well, we're going to attempt to take uh, a break. And the reason I say attempt is because uh, you never know when you push buttons here whether things will happen. Can I push one? Can I push one? N- Don't touch that. Oh. Yeah. Um, it's bad enough uh, without Megan reaching and uh, pulling random knobs. Um Okay, so we're going to try to take a break, and when we come... Megan's thinking of knob jokes, aren't you, Megan? <laughs> yeah,
1: you are. Megan nods.
0: <laughs> Megan nods sternly. Um, all right, we'll 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 take a quick break, and when we return, we'll tell you about BC Buds, which is not that kind of bud, you stoners. It's an arts fair coming to the fire Hall. so stay with us.
3: LiveBand.com is Vancouver's community-driven concert calendar. New shows are added daily by the city's most active promoters, musicians, and by the driving force of the music scene, the fans. Livevan.com's listings are different because they are integrated with profiles updated by bands and business owners as they promote upcoming events. Check out the archives to see how closely we've worked within the community to put on the shows you love. Visit LiveMusicVancouver.com for the latest independent and major label event listings. Livevan.com, Vancouver's community-driven concert calendar. And
0: we are back on the Arts Report here on CITR. You know, Megan, with all the excitement of you running in and out and uh, getting the book, I forgot to mention uh, who we are and what we're doing. How funny. Uh, this No, I did say it was the Arts Report, but I didn't say that... Uh, I didn't give the station name I'm
1: already. not your keeper. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, is all your fault. I'm trying to blame you. Why aren't you playing along? Um, I didn't mention that uh, you're listening to us on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. It's true. And streaming online where? At C-R-T-R dot C-A. Oh, Megan. C-R-T-R? I said what C-R-T-R. What station is that? It's like some little Mexican little station now that people are like, C-R-T-R? Why Why that face? Anyway. Uh, yes, we are on citr.ca dot C-A streaming online. Nailed line. it. Thank Nailed you. Nailed
4: it. Thank you. Thank
0: you. And, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I guess we'll, um, uh, tell us, Megan, wh- what, uh, what we'll be doing later.
1: Uh, we're going to be talking about anticipated results. What's that? Well, it's a book. A book.
0: A it, fiction. Yes. <laughs> a local book.
1: It is, yeah. It's uh, by Dennis E. Bolin and uh, Arsenal Press.
0: Cool. All right, so everybody stick around for that. Oh, yeah, and tickets. I need to give away tickets. Uh, tickets to The Great Divorce uh, this weekend. Um, when can we do that? We'll do it in the next ad break. The next time we go for a PSA, Megan, you'll remind me, we're going to give away tickets to see The Great Divorce, okay. so, so stay with us. This is all a clever ploy to keep people listening longer. I, I, I shouldn't have given that away you now. You
1: shouldn't
0: have, no one noticed that. No, no one heard that part. Okay, moving on. Uh, Dance, theater, music, play readings, and more in this year's BC Buds, an annual arts fair in its seventh year now, happening at the Far Hall Arts Center from May the 20th until the 22nd. It will feature a ton of musical performances, in particular, including one intriguing show called Voxy Improvising Choir. Now, how does that work exactly? Is each member of the choir improvising simultaneously? Because that would be a bit chaotic. To explain, here is Kate... Hammet Vaughn, who is the choir co-organizer of Voxy.
5: Well, my friend Carol Sawyer and I have been running this, um, this is our fourth season, this is the culmination of our fourth season, um, this performance on Friday night, and what we've been doing is just trying to make a space for people who are interested in improvisation in general and voice in particular so through a series of uh, an annual series of 8 to 10 um weekly workshops mm-hmm. we invite uh, facilitators for the workshops from various um various disciplines we have people from dance and people from theater and people from uh you know more straight ahead choral music and uh, and people from you know just the improvising sort of free improvising community we had a, mm-hmm. a beatboxer last year <laughs> we've had um all kinds of interesting things have happened so we just invite these people to come in and spend two hours with our group which is a different size every week just depending on who can come it's just sure. open to the public and um we, uh, we just invite them to come in and show us some ideas about creating structures for improvisation. Mm-hmm. So this is really at the key, at the heart of what we do, is that we're trying to create, um, to teach people about the idea that there is uh, possibly even greater freedom within structure. Mm. So we try to, you know, use our bodies and our voices and the space that we're in and... Um, so, and stillness and quiet, and you know.
0: So, so are you looking for um, like a format? The way that you know there are improv games in in, in improv is that the kind of thing. Yeah,
5: the, I guess you know we kind of create our own structures out of the ideas that the facilitators right. bring to us. So, for our performance on Friday night at, at the fire hall, we've got. You know, sort of 16 to 20 minutes, you know, depending on how long things go. But we've got four or five structures that we're going to try to move sort of seamlessly through so that people will get an idea of what it is that we do. And hopefully some people in the audience will be inspired to join us. Hmm next year for uh, our fifth annual series
0: can you give us an example of one of these structures
5: uh, well let me see well uh, kind of a, a, a leading uh, you know light of our thing is is actually a conducted choir and that was part of how we got interested in doing this because we knew some friends who were working with kind of hand signals to signify various vocal responses and then they were conducting a um, and creating a kind of uh, improvised uh, improvised for us Palace of sound, a choir or a wall of sound, mm-hmm. but we never knew really what was going to come next because we were just, they'll give us a gesture that says, you know, repeat. <laughs> what you just did okay. until I tell you not to, <laughs> right? And then they lay your stuff over it. And, uh, wow. So, yeah, so we'll have one of those. Our friend Steve Bagnall is going to conduct that, and uh, and he's a lot of fun with that. And then we have some other pieces that just show us, you know, using, using the space of the hall. Um, we actually have a really fun thing, and I don't think Carol will kill me because it's not really a secret, but we do invite, <laughs> it's kind of a... I don't know, a standard thing for us now, I guess this is the second, this is probably the third year we've done this, is that we invite some people onto the stage from the audience at the end for um, what we call a sonic massage, and it's very safe, and people just can stand there with their eyes closed, and we won't touch you, but we will walk quietly (laughs) around you and sing into your body. Wow, and it's an unbelievable feeling when when we demonstrate it to new people each year in our in our group. I always go, "Okay, I'm going to do this to you for two minutes," but then I want to be the one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, what happens? What is the effect of it?
5: The effect of it is just you stand there and just um, hear the kind of wave of humming sound that's. Around you But you also have people Coming up close to you And singing into your back Or your arms And so you feel You know vibrations Different sounds Buzzing all around you And it's quite um, Quite moving Wow Quite wonderful actually So I got all excited When we decided That we were going to do it again This year Is it almost like a Like a We get you know Each year we get a few more brave
0: souls, souls. souls, you know. <laughs> and is it almost and like then a... Go afterwards
5: to the rest of the audience, you should have done this, this is
0: great. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it, 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 you can maybe create a new kind of massage therapy.
5: Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I think probably people do use sound waves and stuff around the world, but just to have a, a you know, to be in that interactive space. And you can have your eyes open, of course, if, if you like, but I think it's more fun to kind of just experience the sound around you.
0: Hmm. And overall, what do you think is the benefit of of this. So what do you gain by doing this style of 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 singing and this kind of improv? What do you gain from it?
5: Um, Me, personally, I I have a wonderful time doing it. You know, every every Saturday morning in in the spring, I kind of go, oh, I've got so much work to do where I could sleep in, but I come out of there just feeling absolutely rejuvenated and excited about the possibilities. I love the outreach to the community. Mm -hmm. I love that we have people of uh, all ages, really. I mean, primarily, we don't get young kids, but we do have people in their teens. It's it's a little too... um, Focused in a different way for young kids, I think mm-hmm. they need something else. But for anybody, you know, who's a young young adult to people who are retired, um, and just to see the range of open spirits and open minds, and to hear the sound of of uh, people's voices together, unusual voices together, and to see how all of these people so willingly enter into the unknown. Wow! You know, it's great. I mean, we can have a crowd full of people who will. Well, okay, last year, the first yeah. workshop last year, uh, Brian Tate was, uh, from, uh, formerly of the Universal Gospel Choir, now the City Soul Choir, was doing our workshop and he had people kind of sitting around and chanting, you know, in this rhythmic thing and then he said, okay, now we're going to try this and he made it a little more crazy and then he said okay, now we're going to break into four groups and you're the air and you're fire and you're earth and you're water and now we're going to simulate the creation of the universe. And it just turned into this unbelievable piece over about four minutes. Amazing. And Brian said afterwards, "Just wow, I had no idea you guys would go there. <laughs> and There was a guy who was about 65 in the group who looked at me at the end and he goes, that was so great. It's so much fun to just have a place where you can just come and be normal.
0: (laughs) Come and be normal, right?
5: (laughs) And I thought, well, I think that's lovely, you know, because for many of us, we do feel inside us that we are freer and a little wilder and would like to be a little more risk-taking than we're kind of allowed to be in our everyday lives.
0: Wow. So by doing this, people can... can, uh Let loose a little.
5: Oh, yeah. It's very, very free and very freeing. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, we've had a really exciting season. So we've got um, something that I think will be, uh, I don't know, kind of all-encompassing. You know, I think that people who watch it will get an idea of what what we're about and how much fun we have. Mm
4: -hmm. And I think
5: that they'll be a little surprised, perhaps, to see a bunch of adult... People who are kind of in a grown-up nursery school, (laughs) (laughs) singing and moving and dancing and uh, and being conducted by, you know, crazy hand gestures and, you know, perhaps rolling on the ground or throwing ourselves on the ground (laughs) or who knows what will happen. We've got a very basic kind of structure, and after that, it's all... All free.
0: It's been a pleasure to, to hear about this. Um, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to tell us about it.
5: I hope you will come on Friday night and see uh, what it's about. All right, sounds come join good. Us. Thanks a lot. <laughs>
0: Bye. And that's Kate Hammett Vaughn telling us about the music showcase, which is a part of BC Buds. The music showcase is on Friday, May twentieth at seven PM. And the showcase events like this one are twelve dollars. Only. Now, uh, BC Buds is going on from May 20th until the 22nd, and everything other than the showcases. Uh, am I making up things? Yes, I am making up things. Please disregard that previous statement. Um, there's a lot more information that can be provided to you better than, than by me at FirehallArtsCenter.ca, and you can get all the information on the various events and the ticket prices um, that, uh, that are available for this. So check that out. Okay, now I did promise to give some tickets away, so I feel it is only appropriate that uh, that we do that now. I want to give you a pair of tickets to see The Great Divorce, adapted from the novel by C.S. Lewis. And this is playing at Pacific Theatre, and it's running now until June the 18th. I'll give you a little synopsis before I give out the, the phone number so you can win these tickets. Uh, here it goes. Hell resembles nothing so much as a dreary industrial city. In the north of england it 's denizens free to leave whenever they like, aboard a bus bound for a heaven that 's like nothing you 've ever imagined. a theologically dazzling journey studded with memorable characters, mind spinning dialogue and images of human folly, and sublime hope that will forever change the way you see eternity so that 's the great divorce playing at Pacific Theater from now until June 18th, and we want to give you a pair of tickets to see this show. So give us a call. The number is 604-822-2487. 604-822-2487. We'll be right back. See, again, I have a button. I press the button and nothing happens. This is outrageous.
1: I'm really sorry about that.
0: Thank you for feeling the pain. Here it goes.
3: The North by Northeast Festival, Music, Film, and Interactive, takes over Toronto once again June 13th to 19th. North by Northeast showcases the best new music from around the world rock, hip hop, punk, country, blues, electronica, singer songwriter, and more. It's your chance to catch breakout performances from tomorrow's stars. Seven days, 50 stages, over 650 bands, plus 40 great music related films. All this for just 50 bucks. Wristbands are on sale. Check nxne.com for details. Also available? Passes that get you into the clubs first and into North by Northeast's groundbreaking interactive media conference. You want more? North by Northeast also rocks the heart of Toronto with four nights of massive free outdoor concerts. Visit nxne.com for tickets and up-to-the-minute festival info. North by Northeast. Celebrating 17 years of great music.
0: and we are back on the arts report here on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver and streaming online at citr.ca the arts report is your weekly fix of arts and culture on the radio and and now i want to tell you about a show called shades of gray a tortured artist lost love immortality Those are just some of the themes in Shades of Grey, a play on now at Studio 1398 on Granville Island by Self Preservation Productions. The show also includes an art exhibition by Raymond Chow, and part proceeds go to the Red Cross. I spoke to Sean Peterson, who is the writer of this play that started as a poem written when Sean was 16. So we talked about mixing theatre with visual art and charity, but first here is Sean talking about how this story came together.
6: It's a It's original production we're referring to as a world premiere, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. so yeah, it started off as I said as a poem and then with it during the duration of the last two years. It's went through a uh, field of revisions, mm-hmm. and then I, I connected with Maury Bernstein, and her and I kind of take, took what I had written and constructed it into um, a, a pretty incredible play.
0: Hmm. And um, and I imagine it must have uh, it must continue to to evolve. Uh, how do how does the actors feel um, being able to to consult the writer <laughs> at any moment?
6: Um, well, well, that that's kind of the the um, I can't think of the right word, but that's kind of what my company, Self Preservation Productions, is about. It's about taking original productions and collaborating to create a final product. So everyone from the actors to the director to the stage manager to the lighting designer have all played a fundamental portion in creating the final product. So it's not that the play was written and here's what you have to say Mm -hmm. and do and everyone has their ability to put input
0: into it interesting and why is that why is that important do you think why is that better than than you know other ways of doing theater uh,
6: i i think that um, for a long time i have as a writer i i tried to get my play and and you know I, I understand when a person right look any master any play that's ever been written in the past has always went into rehearsal and been altered even at the last moment whether it was a broadway or just a smaller size play even up into like historically for shakespeare and such and plays like that that they weren't completed until after the final performance and so i thought well let's take that one step further and let's let other people's create creativity um influence how the play is written so for instance um my my last play and this play the actors kind of had an influence on how the play got rewritten hmm. because they were able to delve into the character individually and therefore influence um, certain aspects of that character development—that, of course, therefore would have to be connected with how the the wording or the dialogue that the character is about to speak.
0: Hmm, that's really interesting. So, so the end product, then, uh, the hope is that it's it's sort of more uh, everyone has more ownership of it, and therefore it's 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 just it's a better performance. Yeah.
6: Yeah, I wouldn't say ownership, but it's it's a collaborative creation. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, so the, the, the characters that are really defined by the, the first actor, and therefore when the dialogue goes to final print, it's it's, a, it's inspired by the, the, the actors or the directors themselves. But of course, me as the writer, I have to make sure that everything cl- clips into place.
0: Hmm. Cool. Now tell me about uh, the the visual art por- portion of this, uh, of this production, the fact that you have a uh, sort of exhibition going on at the same time. What's the idea behind that?
6: Um, you're referring to the Raymond Chow yes okay so basically um, I I hooked up with Raymond Chow he's a local internationally renowned artist that lives resides in Vancouver and so so we want it are basically our both of our visions about artistry are quite similar and that we he's he's very he really wants to help other artists so me, my company is a fledgling company. We've um, This is our second, produc- second official production going solo. So he really wanted to try to, to help out and um, help advance my, what I'm tr- looking to do. And so what we had set up is um, tonight at the Granville Island Hotel, mm-hmm. we are having um, a special presentation that we're doing a fundraiser more so to help support Red Cross, and we're doing it together. So with Raymond Chow and myself, self-preservation productions together. So what tonight's um, exhibition is all about is uh, rather than having a Red Cross supporters just donate money, mm-hmm. we've made it so that they do- they're donating money in the form of a ticket price and that money is being split 50 percent um, it's being donated directly to Red Cross mm-hmm. so for their donation rather than just receiving a tax receipt now they're gonna receive the ability to see an art show with Raymond Chow meet the artist because he'll be on live on location from 2 to 8 tonight mm-hmm. as well as he's go- they're gonna be able to come see a play an original production which as I said we're all together trying to support Red Cross in Burnaby so it's more even more of a local charity as opposed to uh, sending it somewhere else in the world.
0: And that's uh, Shades of Grey. Sean uh, Peterson talking about that one. And that is happening right now until May the 21st at 8 p.m. And that's at um, Studio 1398, which is right on uh, Granville Island. I believe it's a part of the Playwrights Theatre... Center, PTC? Yeah, I think it's if I'm not mistaken, it is the top floor of the of the Playwrights Theater Center on Granville Island. You can get more information on this show from our website where the latest Arts Report blog post has links to this event and every other event that we have on today's show. Now tickets uh for that range from twenty-five to thirty dollars, and you can get them from ticketstonight.ca. Again, links are available on our blog, so you can check that out yourself. All right. Well, um now it is time for our regular our newly minted regular feature um called uh, books. <laughs> books, books, books. Hello Megan.
1: Hey.
0: Nice. So uh what are we talking about this week?
1: We are talking about anticipated results by Dennis E. Bolin uh from Arsenal Pulp Press.
0: Nice. And, um, alright, tell us what it is, what's it about?
1: Well, I will uh, Anticipated Results is a collection of narratives uh, Mainly by one protagonist, Neil um, And he's part of this motley crew of drunks, failures, rabid intellectuals, and the like And that list would be in order of frequency that they appear uh, They're the tail and of uh, the Boomers And they're living below, I guess you could call, so-called expectations in Vancouver. They have jobs of various sorts. A couple of them have kids, various ambitions, lots of addictions, a few girlfriends. Uh, There's one wife floating around in there. Hmm. Neil, uh, who is kind of the star narrator of many of the scenes... um, you know, hosts dinner parties with the goth next generationers. Um, there are childhood memories, uh, stories of parenthood, uh, and actually in one case, an orange tabby trapped under a futon uh, for two days, which at the end of the book becomes uh, a metaphor for, well, everything. <laughs> um Other scenes include uh, a cab driver, Paul, who's actually the star drunk, uh, being surreally and beautifully T-boned in a park road, (laughs) Uh, a drive up to a cabin to spend quality time with people who don't seem to like each other, uh, and a visit and a drive with a reticent daughter. Actually, there's lots and lots of scenes of driving and Mm -hmm. even more about women.
0: Interesting. Now, can you give us an example of all this, this, this mix and all this variety?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I am going to read a bit of an excerpt, and the reason I chose it is because, though it's a bit, uh, a bit on the verbose side, uh, which we'll talk about in a bit, uh, it really actually points to the whole concept. And all he does a really great job throughout of, of constantly pointing back to the book itself, and, hmm. and really, he really knows what he's doing. So okay. here we go. So to set this up, the star drunk, as I mentioned, Paul, uh, has just been in an accident, that's the first scene in the book, and now they're back at the bar, and we have Paul and Neil among others drinking beers, and Neil starts a conversation. I don't know about you, but I think this goes to show what I've always said about your work, Paul grimaced, but was that again? In view of its demonstrated association with sudden death, that driving cab is not irrelevant. The server put a new one in front of Paul, who smiled up at her. Driving cab in and of itself is one of life's most deadening fates, an admission of non-life. Serious as all hell if you think about it. He frowned at me. But a life-threatening car accident is the most banal thing in the world. The two together equal nothing. The two together have no relationship in view of the fact that one is slow and one is quick. A person chooses one and blunders into the other. He took a drink. Thus, this stuff... This morning is just action without meaning, lacking any kind of useful relevance. Paul, you get relevance by virtue of the story structure you have to offer. Listen to me. The banal beginning, the banal ending here in the bar. The unconscious middle is the fascinating part because it's what can't be verified. You can't let the first and the last determine the center. You write it all out, whatever it is, boring or exciting. Like a story of a janitor in a building... All the mops, brooms, wipes, cleaning products, endless nights looking out the windows of deserted buildings into the empty dark night. Stuff like that. What you get at the end, all it turns out to mean was, I don't know, perfect marble floors or something. Paul smirked. Little khaki badges on your shirt with another guy's name on it. That's the idea, boys. I was not particularly optimistic. They were a hard crowd. We can't listen to a story like Paul's without paying debt to happenstance, to the vacancy between relevance and irrelevance, to the emptiness of question and answer. Content is misleading and deceptive. Nice. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's basically encapsulating, um, and this is a very generationally based story. These kind of emptiness of meaning that a lot of these people are, uh, these characters are finding themselves in. He gets uh, he gets really poetic, Bolin, when it suits. But his a lot of his plots and his scenes are very direct. They move along quickly. And perhaps it's a growing taste of mine, but I really love these collection of stories that intertwine, and each part is discreet, but the overall project has a real arc to it, and it's really mm. pleasing. Um, some of his characters are really verbose and overly intellectual, but it's it's quite a character point. It lets him be poetic, but it has um, an irony to it, While even while he's making explicit the ideas in the book, uh, including several references to the idea of anticipated results, be it as a a management term or as a life goal term uh, yeah so it's it's all based on the assumption of course that, that I review with that everything he does is a deliberate choice so if the irony is incidental then we'd have to reevaluate but as it stands it's it's really great
0: hmm. okay so the book takes place in Vancouver now does the city play a big part in the book
1: well the local aspects not overly prevalent um, it basically adds a layer Um, If you know the city, it it helps with the mental pictures, it helps with the the metaphors. Uh, Many of the scenes in the collection are character studies as much as anything else. And uh, the city has a certain character as well. I'll I'll give you an example, Um, and this is probably the most specific thing you're going to hear about the city. And it's a conversation between Neil and his daughter after some food, and they're they're just talking about how much she really didn't want to comment on this visit. Uh, Part of which being she doesn't want to drive into the city. I speak to her as she stares ahead. But you're such a good driver. I don't care. It's just so obnoxious around here. Well, I thought you didn't mind it so much. Sometimes, but nowadays I mostly hate it. You hate it. It's so cold. It's too fast and ugly. It bugs me. Well, in that case, I feel doubly honored you're visiting me. But I hate to think you have to endure the urban terrors just to do it. Daddy, don't exaggerate. You're just bugging me more. So why do you hate this place? Define this place. Here. Here, you mean Earth? British Columbia? Or do you mean figuratively? Your general phase of life? State of mind? Or just Granville and Broadway? This city, she says. Oh, well, I don't know what to say to that. I mean, look at this neighborhood. The choicest bistros, espresso joints, live theater, bars with jazz playing in them, the West Side's best $2 pizza slice... Cheap kitchen supplies, a big box bookstore, a greasy spoon that serves chow mein-flavored burgers and burger-flavored chow mein. What more could you want? I don't know. I knew I'd gone too far and too wild naming off things I liked and she wasn't interested in. It's just not home. Of course it isn't. Not yours.
0: Nice. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's a... I mean, if you ever have been in that area, of course most of us have, you can, re- you know, I know exactly all those places he's talking about, and uh, and I kind of know how she feels as well. And uh, so it's, uh, they really use the landscape to to shore up the characters.
0: Okay, nice. Now we're, we've quickly um, running out of time. Oh, good. Um, but what did you think of the book overall?
1: Um, well, unlike some of the books I, I review, and maybe that's the first novel syndrome we talked about last time, mm-hmm. uh, I actually fully uh, enjoyed this and, and really got captured by it. Um, even when I kind of disagree with some of the points. Um, I really enjoyed the style and the confidence. There's a real masculinity to it, but not necessarily in kind of an anti-feminist way, but rather a point of view of a male being in your 40s and 50s, um, navigating expectation, friendship, children, lots of drinking. Um, really great example of writing what you know.
4: Mm.
1: And, uh, and, and finally, it was great to and refreshing to hear from the point of view of a boomer. Um, And his generation and his experiences without feeling patronized, pandered to, or dismissed. Um, Well, maybe a little bit here and there, but it was done so well that I'll let it slide this time. Nice. (laughs) Thanks, Thanks. Megan. Thanks.
0: So that is Anticipated Results uh, by Dennis E. Bolin, and this is from Arsenal Press. Yeah, I love that folks jingle. Oh, That's, it makes me dance. Isn't it that great? Mm-hmm. That's courtesy of the Acapella Club at UBC, and they're going to be making some more jingles for us.
1: It's just good. good. It's radio, so you don't have to see me dance. Pop and lock a little bit, you know. It's
0: nice. It's yeah. lovely. If only people could see. You're lovely dancing. All right. We've got to move on because um, we still have lots of lots of show for you, but not a whole lot of time, but I'm very excited to tell you about this next one. The folks at Theatre Conspiracy and Gas Heart Theatre are putting on Macbeth, which they describe as an age-old story of state terror and avarice. Nice. But that's not all. They're using a German adaptation of the original called Macbeth nach Shakespeare by Heiner Müller arguably one of the most important dramatists of the 20th century. He's adapted several of Shakespeare's works, but the thing is, he wrote it all in German, which is not very useful for us. So director Quinn Harris hired a colleague of Mueller's, Carl Weber, highly accomplished in his own right, to translate it, and now Macbeth nach Shakespeare will be presented in the English language for the first time ever. That's quite a feat. Just ask Michael Scholar Jr., who plays the lead role?
7: It's, it's very exciting. Uh, Heiner Muller is considered one of the greatest uh, German artists to come out of the 20th century, probably second only to Brecht or, and maybe his wife uh, Helen Weigel. And, and and so that that great piece, uh, his, his adaptation of, of Macbeth, has been translated into French and it's been produced a few times in French and in German. Uh, but this is the first time ever it'll be produced in English. Uh, in fact, our very smart and ambitious director, Quinn Harris, uh, went to, directly to Carl Weber, the dramaturg of Heiner-Muehler and, and former dramaturg of Bertolt Brecht, and asked him if he had a translation, an English translation of Macbeth. And, uh, and Carl had said, no, I've translated all of his other works, Hamlet Machine and Titus, and, uh, and all of heiner Müller's great works, but he has not translated Macbeth yet. So he decided to translate it for us. So he's. This is a new script that we're um, we're lucky enough to get to premiere.
0: So this is you're making history then.
7: I suppose so. we're making <laughs> theater history here awesome. in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada.
0: <laughs> okay, now let me ask you this: What's wrong with the original Macbeth that it required redoing?
7: Nothing's wrong with it, but uh, as Heiner Mueller says, uh, there's, there's something wrong with. Our current theater ouvre if all of our plays are written by Shakespeare and are slaves to Shakespeare. So, um, originally, Mueller had set out to uh, actually write a translation of Shakespeare, and the first production was billed as such. But along the way, he discovered there were things he wanted to change. Uh, um, themes he took out, themes he put in, uh, bits of uh, poetry uh, more suited to uh, the feeling of. Of, uh, of Berlin during that time, separated by the wall. So he, he interlaced a lot of Cold War um, undertones and, and found um, political hierarchies that he could highlight and 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 perhaps remove as well to serve his purpose at the time. So, it, so it wasn't that we felt Shakespeare is broken; it's that my Mueller mm-hmm. felt he needed to use Shakespeare as a vehicle to tell the story he wanted to tell at that time. And now it's being translated back, so we can see what Mueller has done, and, and also find how it's relevant today here in Canada.
0: Well, let me ask you that: the how is relevant? Is it relevant today in Canada?
7: Well, um, I don't <laughs> think Harper's actually killed anyone to get to where he is. <laughs> not but, not yet. Uh, but uh, Macbeth and uh, and our Prime Minister are both ambitious fellows who like to quash opposition. Right. So I, I, I think there's a there's going to be a, a universality to this story whenever it's told. Uh, it's about the um, it's about the am, am, ambition of a man who is, is so driven for power and 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 so manipulated or convinced by his wife uh, and seduced by his his his, his, his very passionate wife um, to, to 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 take the crown uh, by dishonest means. I think we all can relate to Macbeth. We're we all have to decide: Are we going to take the the short, immoral path to a quick success, or 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 tread the tread the path of of, of decency and and hope that rewards will benefit that lifestyle choice?
0: Hmm. Now I understand this version is also funny. How does that work?
7: Yeah, well, I I actually think the original is quite funny. I mean, um, uh, I mean, not not slapstick throughout but there is a a certain amount of uh of humor, especially in the porter scene. Uh juxtaposed right after the the brutal murder of Duncan, all of a sudden this porter comes out drunk as a skunk and has this clown ish monologue where he uh riffs on about whether they're in heaven and hell and and puns about sex and and, and so that's that's very much in in the original. And I think it's uh some of that dark humor is is furthered and highlighted here. There's um, this new, uh, there's a new sense of, of, of separation, a real class warfare separating the peasants and the lords and, and the royalty in this version. Uh, and, and so the peasants seem to have a real uh, from the hip way of speaking that uh, that is, is, is very humorous and, and fun and, and and irreverent and kind of pulls the rug out from underneath the very grave and serious uh, lords and, and, and royals
0: now tell me about uh your, the role of macbeth it's uh it, it's quite an athletic role there's a lot of ups and downs what uh what are you noticing what are you finding about uh, about doing this role
7: i'm finding that it's uh it's challenging me it's, it's pulling <laughs> me in all sorts of directions and and it plagues my dreams and <laughs> I think my wife will be happy when the show is over. <laughs> uh, I think I'm a little more dark and brooding than I am normally. Mm. I, I I feel like when I come to rehearse the show, I run a marathon every day. Yeah. And and when I perform the show, I'm going to be running a marathon nightly and sometimes two, day, two times a day. So, um, It it really taxes you to go to those places, the, as you said, the ups and the downs, and and, and Macbeth really does struggle and wrestle with his decisions. He's not just a villain who does things uh, without justification, he he is wrestling all the way down to his descent into hell, and trying to find, uh, at least at the first half, trying to find a reason for, a moral reason, for doing what he does. and, and so that wrestle or that wrestling match I do with myself and and with uh, the other actors and characters in this play are, are it, it, it's very um, exhausting, very taxing on the body. So yeah. I find that I'm quite wiped out at the end of the day. To say let's <laughs> say it honestly.
0: Well, that's great. Now uh, we've quickly run out of time. Is there anything else you'd want to mention?
7: No, I just think this is going to be a a really unique production, and uh, there are. There's, there's not going to be another production like this in Vancouver. Mueller is rarely done in this country, uh, uh, and and I think he should be discovered in Vancouver. And I think those who love Shakespeare uh, will get new insight into Shakespeare if they come out and see this. It's uh, it's not it's not going to be uh, their standard fare, but uh, but they'll recognize the story and recognize the characters. People that come along with. With their script in hand, hoping to, to read every single line of the Bard's poetry, we'll, uh, we'll notice some uh, some huge changes, some small changes, <laughs> but uh, hopefully our production will make converts of them all.
0: Wow, that's great. Well, we're very excited. Thanks so much for taking uh, some time to, to tell us about it. My pleasure, Adam. That's Michael Scholar, and he's talking about Macbeth Nach. Shakespeare, and that's coming to Performance Works on Granville Island from May the 20th until May the 29th, uh, 8pm, with weekend matinees at 2pm, and tickets range from $15 to $25, and you can get them from tickets tonight.ca, or at the door, though keep in mind, at the door it is cash only, Uh, you can get more information on their website, which is an awesome website, it is just conspiracy.ca. Pretty cool, huh, Megan?
1: It's pretty good.
0: Now uh, you had you, we were talking about this while the interview was playing. You had a thought.
1: Yeah, and at one point you turned on the mic, so that was embarrassing. <laughs> <Sorry>. um, <laughs> you have to tell me these things. <laughs> um, no, I was just saying it's a bit ironic that it's an English translation of Shakespeare. It's promoting an English translation of Shakespeare, but no, it looks really interesting and uh, a nice lead-in to Bard on the Beach this summer, which I have guest certificates for.
0: Nice. When is Bard on the Beach?
1: Uh, it's like all summer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there eventually. Yeah,
0: you'll get, you'll, we'll figure it out. I love how instead of rolling with mm-hmm. anything that happens on today's show, we we, we bring attention to it and, yeah. and, and like highlight it more, that something bad happened or something yes. wrong happened. Remember that time when I turned on your microphone? And yeah. The interview was still playing.
1: And you gave me a look.
0: A fiery look, look of death. A
1: fiery look of death.
0: What did that look say? I don't know
1: if anyone listening has ever seen Adam thinking <laughs> or concerned, but it is terrifying.
0: His Come on. Think, his
1: thinking face is terrifying. Yeah, there it is. Uh, mm.
0: It's like it's the beginning. Really, that was a really
1: good conversation for radio.
0: I thought so. Perhaps we should just move on. Mm hmm. Alright, well, we we are near the end of the show, but we have one more awesome story, and then we want to play a little uh, song for you from a band called Right, because they have a new single out. But we'll leave the show with that. But first, we're going to squeeze in one more story, and this one is about uh, something that we covered last week on The Arts Report. Uh, we told you last week about 10 Seconds. A monthly art project that takes over the TV screens at the Candle Line uh, SkyTrain stations with these 10-second se- <laughs> excuse me, ten-second bursts. Make sure we make fun of that later. <laughs> ten-second bursts of public art. Last month, it was a piece called "Hippie Chick" by Dana Claxton, and this month it's Slash Forward, which focuses on the forward slash symbol. It all began on Michael Turner's blog with a blog post that consisted simply of rows and rows of slashes. That ended up uh, as a featured item in a public art display called Digital Natives, which took over the LED billboard uh, by the Burrard Street Bridge and put up thought provoking statements in 140 characters or less. Statements such as, A coyote saw me in its city today. Anyway, now Michael Turner's uh, forward slash is back in another incarnation this time as a short video on transit stations. So I spoke to Michael Turner about the unique opportunity to show art in unexpected public spaces and about this fascination that he has with the forward slash. But first, I just asked him to confirm that it all began with the blog, then progressed to digital natives, and now into 10 seconds.
8: Yeah, those three things in a row, but you could say maybe even before the blog, Mm -hmm. That diagonal slash, for me, is something that uh, I've always been attracted to, uh, just the way it unites words as we use them in
0: sentences and right. in explanations. Even before the internet usage, right? The the slash was used before that.
8: I've always liked it yeah. as a child. And I'll tell you something else. I, I have, for the last 20 years, lived off of Kingsway. And you know, if you know Kingsway, you know that it presents itself diagonally (laughs) across the grid of the of the city that's true and and i'm interested in anything that kind of skews that grid that grid being that right angle configuration that modern sort of layout by which a lot of our meaning is made and anything kind of diagonal to that is is sort of chafing against that and uh that's what i'm interested in
0: and how about the the more modern more recent um aspect of the of the forward slash in in its use in internet addresses, what what's what fascinates you about that?
8: Well, it's a door, and uh, right. you know it's 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 not a it's not a thing. It's not so much an object, but it's a it's a means by which you get to something. So HTTP colon is where you are in your computer, and that those two forward slashes are the door out into the larger. Uh, internet world for me i've always been interested in the means as opposed to the ends it's sort of how things happen Mm -hmm. for me as as opposed to the sort of bottom line world that we live in now where so much of our experience is kind of coming and and, and described through economic language you know this sort of like i say the bottom line So, so for me it's 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 not a thing an object commodity it's It's a a passage, it's a conduit, it's it's the way things go from one to the other as opposed to source and destination.
0: Hmm. Now, I'm just curious, um, this engagement of the public now with Digital Natives and 10 Seconds, um, I wonder what um, what you're getting, what you're you're feeling about uh, now that this is sort of the the next generation of of a sort of uh, public engagement of uh, you know putting the art in in a public space that that people might not expect to see art. What are you getting from that?
8: Well, I think I think you know uh, a strong piece of art will remind people of the delivery systems by which they receive it. Mm-hmm. So you know, we go into a gallery with art eyes and very often we see art in relation to that conversation which is contemporary modern art, but if we start to see something that really breaks from the commercial flow or the private flow of information and and uh, it gets us out of, out of, you know, this sort of bland, absent way of being in the world if it, if it knocks us out of something and gets us looking at the, the form, the whole in a different way, I think that's part of what art can do you know, um, and that's that's what I'm interested in participating in my involvement with uh, you know the digital natives in 10 seconds uh, the I think the achievement of this piece is not the piece in itself but the ability for it to go from one system the digital natives billboard at uh, Burrard Street to another system the LED screens in the SkyTrain stations the fact that it can it can move from one to the other cross-platform as they say uh, is it, it, part of it I think if someone sees it on Burrard Street Bridge in the static form and sees it moving Mm-hmm. Uh, while at the SkyTrain station they might have that kind of epiphany or experience mm-hmm. that I'm hoping to achieve when I do make these gestures and throw them out into the world.
0: Do you think uh, Do you think uh, modern art these days I- I- do you think it's detrimental that it's maybe trapped let's say inside a, a gallery and not... No,
8: I, I think, you know it, art is a long conversation uh-huh. that, that, that you, you, know, you devote your life to it in some ways like people devote, you know their life to their faith or whatever, it, it, and it's, um, you know, it can be very difficult, it can be very uh, accessible, it's, it's like poetry, you know, we, we're all encouraged to write as children and rewarded for it, yet somehow at a certain point it becomes, a, it's not economically feasible and we're talked out of it or it becomes <laughs> a difficult form. I mean, these things are all, it's, con, it's really context, it's how things appear in different ways and uh, I, think, I think there's a real convergence going on with all these different systems going on so many people have had art educations now. It's the best education you can have. it trains you to see and hear the world and, and look at it critically and respond to it critically. and this is happening on the internet. this is happening in the museums. it's happening in public space. and yeah
0: so so this is just sort of a, an extension of that, isn't it that you could see the internet as a, as a way you know the cro- cross platformness of it um, I guess art has has a part in that as well.
8: Yeah, well, there's, there's artful gestures everywhere. Uh, there's, there's artful gestures in the way the supermarket shelves are, are lined up. There's a, artful gestures, you know, in the way we negotiate the internet, the way things are available there and, and, uh, and linkages and what have you. With, uh, uh, it, it's really a question of, you know, beginning inside as opposed to, you know, from without. Like like having those art eyes and ears open, hmm. that to me is interesting.
0: Um, tell me what's uh, what's what's next. Is there going to be an, another generation for uh, for the slash forward, um, or anything else uh, that you're working on?
8: Well, I was asked to contribute uh, an essay to a publication for the catalog to attend the um, the fair, which is which is a art fair going on at the Waldorf, and they, they're mm-hmm. putting a publication together, and and they said, can you give us a text? And I said, sure. I'll whatever, I gave them a page of forward slashes.
0: <laughs> you did? I was going to ask, did you give them a page of forward And you did? Yeah, I did. <laughs> did, they, did they accept it?
8: Yes, they loved it because it's like, oh, well, that's just like the forward slashes that were, you know, at the uh, Digital Natives Billboard. And I said, yeah, exactly.
0: Wow, awesome. That
8: was, that was me. So, so it, it, it's part of a, <clears throat> it's a grain, it's a pattern. I'm, I, I'm hoping to, to be able to participate in the pattern and the grain of the city and the culture. And um, the forward slashes are my motif.
0: And that's Michael Turner talking about his uh, project Slash Forward, which is happening at uh, the Canada Line station near you. Uh, so check that out if you can it started on May 16th so just a few days ago is when it began ah and I need to tell you that if you go to youtube.com slash off on main off on main you can watch the um the video of this installation piece thing I never I never know what to call these art things you do
1: you just keep going after you've said the thing that it is uh huh like you say installation piece but then that and then you
0: keep going right All right. I'll do that next time
1: you just have to embrace.
0: The you gotta installation own it. Piece. Yeah, you gotta own it. Installation piece. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing like a good installation piece. Like this one. Check it out. All right, so uh, we're nearing the end of our show. Uh, Megan, thanks for uh, sitting in with me and, and keeping me company. Anna's not on the boards today, so I, I would have been very lonely. Oh
1: well, thanks for having me. I really apologize to everyone.
0: For, <laughs> stop Stop it <laughs> stop apologizing this is nonsense um, it has been a pleasure now uh, we have one last thing for you before we, we sign off we are horrendously late today it is way after 6pm but that's okay um, it happens I mean Frank does it to us sometimes so it's karmically uh, like dominoes yeah. falling
1: it's like prison
0: in here you know you gotta like bring your shiv to get the time oh you know what your your mic wasn't on <laughs> I just realized, all right, <laughs> now we really need to go. Okay. It's amazing how you gave us the meaning of life there and your mic we wasn't on. Yeah, we should get out of here. All right, so this is uh, the band Write with the song Slowly Home. Uh, so check them out. They will be playing a show in the next little while. Um, and they will be playing at the Calth Music Festival in Parksville. And uh, I think they'll be at the Interurban Gallery Uh on june 11th so anyway this is slowly thanks for listening bye bye